Football, baby! Go, man. Episode 58, Wednesday night, July 6th. We got a big show tonight. We've got Raiders versus Dolphins. We're looking at all the weapons on these offenses. We are looking at Kirk Cousins versus Mac Jones. But most importantly, the lens that we're viewing tonight through is the Scott Fish Bowl. It is that week. The first of many countdowns of the fantasy football offseason is finally here. We are a mere two or three days away from a lot of drafts starting. Some of them have already started. So tonight's show, we'll be looking at a lot of Scott Fishbowl choices that you're going to have to make, values that we're going to help you find, um, kind of sort through the madness that is this format because it can be a little deceiving compared to other formats. So we'll spend about an hour going through this stuff, looking at these guys and just kicking it, having a good time. Dustin, how are we doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's hot here in Texas, Travis, and I'm happy I'm inside where the air conditioning lives. It is a it is a nice time, and it'll I'm melt getting, you. Texas will melt you right. It now. will melt you. Um, I'm getting ready to move, so most of my walls are bare, and it feels odd. I see so, the Red Sox behind you is gone. It's gone. It's gone on to a better home. We are going to have a whole new setup in the new place. It's going to be very nice. I and love it. Are you Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Red Sox, or are you more recent oh, yeah. than that? Like, who is oh, your yeah. team? Um, so I actually became a Red Sox fan in 2003. It was the year before they won the World Series. They were good, but we lost to the Yankees that year. Oh. It wasn't a good time. Um, it was hard. It was it, it was a rough time, but we're here. The Yankees have been going through it ever since. I guess. I guess. I mean, we've we've had some success. I I I'm, you know, I I've moved on to happier times as a Bears fan. Oh yeah, much happier. Yeah, so much happier. Well, speaking of Don't the NFL, we got here. Baker Mayfield on the move. He is now the newest Carolina Panther. Um, oh, give me a goodness. 60 second reaction. What does this change for you as far as who you're drafting where, if at all? I mean, it's going to change uh, the name on the back of the jersey of the quarterback. But other than that, Baker Mayfield doesn't like move the, the needle much for me. It's not like before this, we're like, oh, we can't wait to see. Like, if Carolina had a competent quarterback before, this would be a nothing burger like it's not dj more to the moon okay that rocket's gonna <laughs> run out of gas far before it gets out of the atmosphere okay it the moon is crowded okay the, yeah, that's what, the, one okay. thing that we've been saying here the moon so is crowded many, until like, bateman and mooney yeah mooney uh they move are over a little bit there's not room there no it's dj more to the i don't know that cloud you see above your morning drive to work like that's reasonable. He's but, on the higher side of the cloud now. Just sure. a little bump for DJ Moore. I'm with you on that. I, I don't think it's yeah. a huge landscape changing move. Everybody kind of wanted to see what would happen with Baker. Now we know. I do think, um, seeing as how we're talking about Scott Fishbowl tonight, Baker mm -hmm. Mayfield is another guy that people are going to start drafting a lot earlier. We've been seeing him just because we've expected, or we he hasn't been on a, a roster really. 
Sure. Um, I mean, he's another he's another option, which on like he's been going in the 14th, 15th round. So I think that does bump him up quite oh, a bit. Oh, he'll yeah, he'll be a starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. And they've got weapons, but looking at my rank, he's gonna go, you know, um tenth, eleventh round now, you know, you know, ninth, tenth. He's in that like He's going to end up right below that tier of some guys I'll bring up, but like he's going to be right by Davis Mills and yeah. your Daniel Jones and um, Jared Goffs. Those kind of guys are where I'm going to have Carson Wentz is in that group. It's which is go- okay. I mean, another body in that group sometimes sure is a big difference when it gives you flexibility on, on the back end of a run and you're like i'm screwed maybe maybe baker is worth a shot over the guys yeah. that are left but it gives you another uh quarterback three option and you roll with it so i like it it it, it doesn't hurt fantasy like it does it right. make dj more does it i don't know that it necessarily raises his ceiling much but it definitely raises his floor um i think that you you're not gonna have a you know if if Sam Darnold implodes, then we have a PJ Walker sighting or God forbid a Cam Newton signing, you know, somewhere where it's like, now we know DJ Moore isn't going to be who we really just kind of even hope he would, he would be at all. So I think that DJ Moore is going to be a player who we see just provide what we've seen from him the last couple of years, that solid wide receiver two, higher end wide receiver two numbers. Yeah, I, I agree. I Ben said it best. DJ Moore goes from wide receiver 14 to wide receiver 14. I think everybody's fine with that. I think he was 14 to 18 and maybe now you're more leaning to the 14 side, but yeah, I think it's again, it's not a landscape changer, No, but it does help for QB needy people to know that there's another body late in the draft. Um, what do you want to start with? Do you want to go right into the Las Vegas Raiders or do you want to go into the QB battle of the night? You know what? Let's start off with the QBs. Let's start off with All the right. QBs because it's it's in the the spirit of Scott Fishbowl. We're going to set the table for the the discussion here because it all came about when you and I started talking, you know, I'm a big Mac Jones truther. I also really like Kirk Cousins in the Scott Fishbowl you get points for completion percentage. That's kind of how it breaks down. That's one of the the scoring settings. We'll get into those later though. But Mac Jones, my whole theory here is that he's actually a value. Um, And if you don't get, you know, one of these core guys in, you know, what we described as, you know, anywhere from Stafford cousins, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, those kind of guys, if you don't get them in the second round of the Scott fishbowl, usually, it's okay to wait and get your second quarterback and a guy like Mac Jones. And I feel like Mac Jones is going to be similar or closer to Kirk cousins. than we think you don't necessarily think so. And I'm correct. Open to the conversation, opening the eyes of our listeners, of our viewers and giving that full experience to them. So why don't you think, or do you want me to start off and give you the reasons yeah, why yeah ta- in, inform me of why Mac Jones is that guy that you're targeting because yeah, um, he is a few rounds later. He is. But I, I personally don't think it's worth waiting for Mac and passing on Cousins. Sure. Um, and I don't think that you're saying I'm not pass saying on pass. Kirk Cousins. No. Um, but the argument of 
Mac Jones being just as good of a value where he's being drafted is kind of the one to have because there are a lot of people in these mock drafts that we've seen saying, I think I'll get one stud quarterback and then load up on either a Kelsey Andrews Swift type big time player at the running back tight end wide receiver position for the next two or three rounds. And then they'll circle back and fill that QB two with Mac Jones. The, the mock drafts that I've done, I haven't liked when I've done that, but a lot of people swear by that. So let's hear an argument for doing that for Mac Jones in particular. Well, I'll tell you that the quarterbacks that you're getting, let's say, because Kirk Cousins is at the end of this that tier that that we mentioned. You know, um, you're getting you're getting him after a um, a Aaron Rodgers after a Derek Carr. Typically, um, he's going after right them, after right after them. Um, the next quarterback that's going right around him in ADP for the Scott Fishbowl is Tua. Okay, so it's Tua Tungvaloa. It's you know you're having to reach down for maybe a Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence. Um, in whereas in redraft, it, it just a regular league, I'm all in on those guys in in terms of Trevor Lawrence. They an argument could be made for Trevor Lawrence in the same um, instance, but I like. I like Mac Jones based on where he's going. Okay. He's going later than Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Trevor Lawrence is still going, you know, relatively close. I think his ADP, um, according to uh, going for two, is 46.7. Um, and then you've got Mac Jones, who's going closer to 61, um, 60, actually 66. Um, right now is where his ADP is at. And so th- that you're talking sixth round. You know, whereas, okay, you miss out on that group of quarterbacks. Now you can feel free to grab a, maybe a DeAndre Swift, maybe an Aaron Jones, um, one of those guys to round out your second round. And that way you can fill in your, your skill position players and grab a quarterback like Mac Jones, who in his rookie year gave you six weeks of QB one play. And for a rookie, that's great. You know, people associate him with, you know, that one game he had in Buffalo where it was three passing attempts and it was also a blizzard yes. with like 60 miles per hour wind. It was just like not – no one wanted to throw the ball, okay? Josh Allen didn't have a great game that game. None of the pass catchers, okay? You had two guys, you know, like I think they ran the ball like 60 times that game. Uh, the Patriots did. Like there was n- – yeah. no one was going to be throwing the ball in that game. But that's where – uh, people associate Mac Jones with. I, I brought up on previous shows like how historically relevant his rookie year was. Now you've got a Mac Jones who is now in his second year. He's go, he's got if you want to call I don't I can't really call them upgraded weapons. They're just the same weapons he had last week. They are not week. upgraded. They're not they upgraded. Certainly not. No. Um and did anybody leave though? Um, is Nelson Lee, Aguilar still there? Nelson Aguilar still there. Kendrick Bourne still there. They brought in, um, Parker. They, they brought in uh, Devonte Parker, which is meh <laughs> to to say the could, least. Could you see a late Julio signing there by by Billy B? I really hope not. I, I mean, I real sure, but I don't want Julio Jones there. 
then it's Mac not... to the moon. Then then there's room on the moon for Mac. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they'll save a seat for Mac. But look, the, what, what I want to get into, though, is, is Mac Jones and his completion numbers, because in the Scott Fishbowl, you. You know, again, the whole the whole trend, the whole theme of this show is the Scott Fishbowl. So completion percentage is a huge thing. And in the Scott Fishbowl, you're rewarded for um, for having points above. 66.7 um which is a lot of quarterbacks it is i think it was like 16 or 17 guys cleared that number last year so yeah. absolutely while while that is key i ask you is that a deciding factor um for you versus upside because you have guys like Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, who right. were below that 66%, you're not going to pick somebody of their caliber over them necessarily because of that number. Yeah, no, I mean, not necessarily. Um, but uh, Mac Jones, I mean, he's going, he's going to improve. Um, so he he's going to be someone that... Uh, I, I'm going to want, I mean, not necessarily over over those guys, but he's going to be, again, at the value. I think that's going to be someone that you're you're going to want to look at. Yeah. I. You talked me into Mac Jones earlier in the offseason. I still right. believe in Mac Jones. Nothing has changed in that. Sure. Um, I just, well, I fall on the side of pull the trigger on a Kirk Cousins. Well, sell me further. Tell me if, further if on Kirk Cousins. There. Um, let's compare these two guys. I made a couple graphics here. Um, we are not the same. Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins, we are not the same. Why are we not the same? First, I want to talk about the ceiling and floor of both of these guys. Ben, this is what you were alluding to earlier. Um, Cody, what's good, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming by. We are discussing why you should pull the trigger on a guy like Derek Carr or, Matt or Kirk Cousins in the Scott Fish Bowl or two-quarterback league well before waiting and thinking Mac Jones is a great value. He's probably the best of that group in the fifth or sixth round, but we don't think it's wise to wait, or I don't. Um, I looked at how many 20-point games, 20 or more points, did they give you last year? Um, Kirk Cousins gave you eight which was a very solid number. Um, it's actually one of the highest in the league as far as consistency of over 20-point games. He's not giving you those bottom floor games. Mac Jones gave you two out of 17 games, so that's 15 weeks under 20. And we've said for a year and a half now, 20 points for your quarterback is kind of a feel-good number. Anything under that, you feel like you left a lot on the table. Right. That's 15 weeks of that, which is – that's painful, especially in a tournament-type deal. And I don't think he's going to do that again. I also think that Mac Jones is going to improve. I believe sure. the rumblings around camp that he will settle in and start to say, this is my team, this is you know the way I run things. Yeah. You know, not – we're not talking the next Brady, but I think he's going to make a really nice jump into his second year. I have high hopes right. for all the rookie quarterbacks last year jumping into year two. Right. 
Um, because this is a value argument, though, let's look at ADP from last year. Where Kirk Cousins? Oh no, where they're going this year compared to what they would have done last year at that ADP. So sure. Kirk Cousins around QB fourteen. How many times did he give you inside of the top thirteen quarterbacks? And yeah. what I looked at was um, how many times were they in the top twelve? How many times did they give you QB one numbers? Kirk Cousins did this fifty six percent of the time, which is really really good for where you're getting him. Um, and that goes for single quarterback leagues too. I know this is a Scott Fish themed show, but when you're talking single quarterback league, he's just another guy like Stafford, like Carr. There's no reason to take a Russell Wilson in the fourth or fifth round when you can get these guys in what we've seen the 10th to 12th round. Kirk Cousins is another one of those guys that you will be able to rely on consistently week in and week out. He He's going to beat his ADP. He's going to give you majority of his weeks are going to be QB one weeks. Um, and his ceiling with the weapons, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith is back, Dalvin Cook. He's going to give you a lot of happy weeks for where you're drafting him. Do you think Mac Jones gives you a lot of happy weeks for where you draft him? Um, I think, I mean, talking about just Scott Fishbowl, I mean, I think you're, you're going to be, uh, yeah, I think you'll be happy. I mean, getting him, you know, he's going at quarterback 20 right now in ADP, where I think he's going to finish probably closer to that 15 range. So, no, is he going to give you, you know, um, a, a rock-solid quarterback one season? No, but I think that his improvement, the way he plays, the game management style, I, th- I call him a game manager plus because I think that he's someone that realistically – um, can put up uh, a 300 plus yard game and you know two and three touchdowns consistently now uh i think he's that level of talent and now going into a second year they're going to open up the offense for him more um I, this isn't trying to equate him to kirk cousins um right but at yeah ADP, and i want to make that clear too i'm not i'm not saying that you're that you're saying mac jones is kirk cousins i just don't right. know that the value the perceived value of Mac Jones industry wide, not just mm-hmm. your uh, your take on this, right? If you look on Twitter at Mac Jones, people are saying he's a great value for where he's going. Yeah, is he really though? Given the low floor and what I don't feel to be as high of a ceiling with the weapons he has, um, I think compared to who you're taking him around, yes, um, because he's going around like Ryan Tannehill, you know. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, that 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 offense doesn't really run through him. It runs through Derrick Henry. And if Derrick Henry's having a bad day, Tannehill doesn't have A.J. Brown to save him anymore, okay? He's got Robert Woods and a maybe, a big maybe at, you know, at, at Traylon Burks. So I, I you know, the, the discussion, like, you're not getting a Trevor Lawrence or something like that or Justin Fields where it's, you're having to spend up another two rounds pretty much to get them. You're, you're getting comparable talent and production. And honestly, I would take the Patriots offense probably over both of those offenses. Um, in, in, you know, like the bears, the, the, the Titans and the Jaguars, uh, I would take the Patriots offense over them. And I, I think that is going to be pretty good. Uh, that's actually a really, um, that's actually a really good comp, um, Ben, in Mac Jones and Matt Ryan. 
Um, where is Matt Ryan going? Matt Ryan's actually going at QB 19. So one spot, he's going at 54.7. Um, and Mac Jones is going around later. So essentially he's the next quarterback off the board. Um, but going around later, he's going about, um, 10, 11 picks later. So that's a good comp actually. Uh, Matt Ryan and Mac Jones. I think, um, I think their outcomes could be similar. Okay. Um, final, final statements here and, I'll throw up a second graphic for Kirk Cousins here just because I had the time to make it today. Kirk Cousins has been doing this. And yeah, he's been doing this for at least over the last seven years. He's given us unbelievable consistency. I realized Mac Jones was a rookie. Yes. 13.23 points per game. Kirk Cousins was probably that low just starting out. However, what Kirk Cousins has been giving us is the equivalent of giving Mac Jones 13 more touchdowns than last year. Sure. If you keep his yardage, completion percentage, all that stuff the same, and you add 13 touchdowns to what he just did, which is a massive improvement, Mm -hmm. then you're at what Kirk Cousins has averaged for seven years. So, again, I I know that we're we're not saying... Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. I just think if you're in a two quarterback format, specifically the Scott Fish format, right? Kirk Cousins is worth taking in the second round. Don't pass him and think there's not a huge gap. I believe that there is a huge gap. The Vikings have new coach, new offensive coordinator from the Rams system. They're changing things up. It's going to be a lot more creative. And what I believe to be a lot more aggressive when you would watch the Vikings games over the last few years, maybe even beyond five years, you're thinking here comes the zone run scheme with, with Dalvin cook play action. They'll find Adam Thielen underneath and Justin Jefferson deep. I think they're going to change it up a lot. I think we see a lot of different looks for these guys and it will benefit Kirk cousins. I don't know that it's a hot take, but I think Kirk cousins has the best year this year than we've seen in over five years from him. I think that's which is a lot because 2020 was 19 points per game, which is that's up there. Yeah, that is that's that's really good, especially for a quarterback that doesn't run. Um, I think that I think I think Kirk Cousins is that guy. I think in his ADP shows that him going um, in the second round, both guys that I think you should feel comfortable with um, taking when they're available at their ADPs. Um, if you're if you're forced to miss out on that group of quarterbacks, like we said, don't feel like you have to reach for the next tier of guys because that last quarterback in that tier in Mac Jones that typically goes at ADP, he's the guy you should go with and you'll save a couple rounds as well. I so, like that. If you're, if you're staring at Christian McCaffrey in the second round, let's say you, and you're in a Scott fish uh, draft yeah. and you go Russell Wilson or Jalen hurts or somebody middle of the first round, it comes back to you, and then it goes Rodgers, Stafford, Carr off the board mm-hmm. right before you. Yeah. And you've got Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson type or Kirk Cousins. What are you doing right now strategy-wise? So if I could have Christian McCaffrey and like a Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, or if I could have – all right, so perfect example, um, guys going around like Mac Jones. Um, so like – if, I, if I'm looking at running back, you know, it's Elijah Mitchell, it's Josh Jacobs, 
it's J.K. Dobbins, you know. So if I can have like a Mac Jones and a Christian McCaffrey or a DeAndre Swift type, Aaron Jones, right? Um, I would rather or, that, or it would be Kirk Cousins and a J.K. Dobbins and a and a Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell. Um, you know, that's a tough call. That is a tough call. It's not like it's a it's a snap a hundred percent, but you know, you you're talking about. My argument was always if I don't get one of those top tier quarterbacks, if I don't get a, if granted in this format, if Kirk Cousins is there and, you know, DeAndre Swift, because in most format or in most drafts, Christian McCaffrey is gone. Um, yeah, he's been gone. Yeah. Um, if it's Kirk Cousins or DeAndre Swift, I'm, I'm going Kirk Cousins. You know, you, the, we've been doing that because we're scared of the fallout. Yeah. But and we'll, let's I want to just get say point, point wise, You've got yeah, and we'll we'll get into it in depth. Just let me, let's just finish this one point. Let's yeah. say you've got Mac Jones. The difference in Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins, we'll call it four or five points a week, and that's massive. Yeah, it's massive. The difference in Josh Jacobs to a DeAndre Swift is that four or five points a week, or Dalvin Probably Cook not. is that is Dalvin Cook four or five points a week better than Josh Jacobs? Um, I don't think I don't think four or five points a week. No, it's gonna. It would, it's probably close. Jacobs is, yeah, his through through three years in the league, probably 13, 14 points a game. I bet Dalvin sure. Cook is seventeen yeah. to twenty points a game. Yeah, it's it's just personal strategy, but I I agree with you. So far, we've been saying, yeah, we like our teams better if we're able to get that second quarterback at the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr level. So. That's yeah. enough of, of Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. We like them both. <laughs> Never have enough Mac. Never have enough Mac. There are two teams, though, Travis, that have reloaded. They've shuffled. They've improved. Maybe they've improved. Um, the one of them being the Las Vegas Raiders. They better Raiders. improve. <laughs> yeah, they better have improved. Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders, man, in that division. So, obviously, they've added Devontae Adams. They've got weapons. Josh Jacobs, we just mentioned. Um, a couple other guys that um, the last couple of seasons have been more than relevant, especially in PPR formats. Hunter Renfro, you know, last year, wide receiver 10 um, in PPR. Darren Waller, of course, stud tight end, more of a wide receiver, and that's what you want. These guys, Travis, talk to us about, do we panic now that Devontae Adams is there, or is there a reason to be optimistic over the outlook of these guys look, go, you know, heading into the 2022 season and right around the corner is draft and training camp season. I am in the camp of very optimistic for the Raiders um, as far as fantasy and the weapons that they have. I think all of them can be reliable week in and week out. Does it hurt the chance of Waller or Renfro being, um, what we what we saw for flashes last year, of course, Devontae Adams is a target monster, a a production monster, especially in the red zone. So, um, I'll just go by position here. This okay. is what I think. This is what I'm expecting from Derek Carr. Carr is coming off a 4,800 yard season in in 2021. If you bring back a healthy Darren Waller, add Devontae Adams, and hire Josh McDaniels, what does that feel like to me? It feels like 5,000 yards and 36 or more touchdowns. I like um, it. 
on his way to his best fantasy season of his career. McDaniels has all the tools he's ever wanted. He's got his Edelman type player. He's got his elite wide receiver one. He's got an a freak athlete tied in to do with whatever he wants. And he's got a ground and pound running back who can get it across the goal line. Josh McDaniels has to be over the moon with this roster right now. I, I think so. Um, Devontae Adams has averaged 13 touchdowns per 17 games for the last six years, which is okay. absurd. Is that because of Rodgers, though? Um, my first reaction is it's about the combo of the two, but mm-hmm. also Ro- everybody knows Rodgers is incredible. Right. If you just watch Devontae Adams, though, before the pass is actually on his chest, so good. He's making guys look silly. So he yeah. is that good. Um, division games for this division are supposed to be what we expect to be absolute shootouts. Yeah. Um, the defenses are improved for a few of these teams. However, the offenses are much improved. And I think the 35 to 30 or 28 games are going to be regular happenings in this division. So I want to say, I want to say 5,000 yards for car um, is the mark that I'm looking at. Spicy. Looking at last year coming off of 4,800. I don't think it would take a whole lot. So I went through a little breakdown. Um, I should have made this into a graphic too. What I'm looking at on my screen is Devontae Adams, 1,300 yards, which is 76 yards per game, which is 17 fewer than what he's given you over the last three or four years on average. So there's room for a decline there to still give other guys enough in that offense. Um, Darren Waller coming down from 72 yards a game to 64, which gives him 1,100 yards. Renfro, I've got an 850. Could be more, but I think 50 yards a game for what he does for that offense with not having to do so much more like he did last year. Mm. I think 50 yards a game is a pretty safe number. Running backs last year combined for 700 yards or 41 a game, and the rest of the team was 1,600 yards. I've got them down to 1,000 just because Devontae Adams is eating all that up. So that would leave Carr at 293 yards per game. I think that is attainable. While he's not going to do that every week, he will have some 400-plus yard games and some 250s or 220s. I think it evens out to 293. I'm very excited for Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to be nice. Derek Carr, yeah. he is I, honestly, he's one of my sleepers to to sneak up into that top five. Um, Do you I, think that he would you take him over Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins? Um, I wouldn't take Scott him Fish, o- but also redraft Scott Fish. I would take him over Rodgers. I I don't know that I would take him over Cousins. Yeah, I don't think I would take him over Cousins. I think I would still okay. stick with Cousins. But, um, yeah, it'd be Cousins, Carr, Rogers for me. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous for Rogers a little bit. I I see a lot of 21-17 games there, which is in sure. turn a lot a lot fewer fantasy opportunities. Yeah, there's gonna be some growing pains for that offense for sure. Um, yep. Absolutely. Did you talk about Hunter Renfro? Did you talk about that guy? Uh, we talked about Renfro just a little bit, but. I just want to reiterate, I think coming off of a nine touchdown season, I think that that is the more repeatable stat, sure. which we say all the time, touchdowns are a fickle stat. You don't want to 
to bank on them. But he is so wide open. Um, Hunter Renfro was number one in target accuracy and number five in target separation, a.k.a. this dude is wide open. Derek sure. Carr is going to have no choice but to throw to him plenty in the red zone with the attention that Waller and Adams are going to get. Yeah, I think that I personally have been sleeping on Renfro a little bit. I need to bump him up. I need to take him in more best balls like or him. or trade for him in some dynasties. I think he has quite a few, maybe two or three really solid years with the build of this team right now. I think I think with Renfro, he and we've said it before, he's good on his own. You know, yeah, it's not like he needs Devonta Adams to come over and free him up and. And, you know, he's not getting doubled, but he beats man coverage. He gets open. He he is wonderful in zone. He's a smart player. He's a quarterback's best friend. And before, like, you, you know, you, you look at the similarities, let's say, between a Wes Welker or a Julian Edelman and a Hunter Renfro. Yeah, they're smaller white dudes. Okay. But they're all really good. And at especially getting with, open. <laughs> yeah. And Hunter Renfro. Wide open. They're just just good he's just good at football he yeah he, watch him play don't just go turn on some highlights although they are fun to watch he makes dudes look silly and he's a red zone phenom you know so don't don't get it twisted hunter renfro will find a way to make himself relevant on a game in game out basis so don't uh don't get my charger plugged in real quick yeah don't worry um but i'm not i'm not worried about uh, about Hunter Renfro at all. Um, you know, the other guy on the Raiders, though, is Darren Waller. Darren Waller is someone that I'm also, I think his ADP has kind of reflected what I was um, not necessarily worried, but, you know, had to, you know, the, the field needed to account for. Darren, um, Darren Waller has fallen now close to the fourth and fifth round um, in a lot of drafts. And Waller is still going to be a, an asset. He's going to be treated like a wide receiver in this offense. You know, I trust that offensive um, staff to find ways to get him open. And uh, that's just, that's, that's someone who I feel like is going to uh, really eat in this offense. Um, Devonte Adams. Yeah. He plays a similar role. He plays that traditional X receiver, but Devonte can move all around the formation just as Darren Waller can. And in terms of Scott Fishbowl, Travis, Darren Waller is someone that they like to throw to on um, on third down. And tight ends also get an extra half a point per reception in the Scott Fishbowl. So it's definitely someone to target um, right around ADP. I'd even reach for someone like Darren Waller because that position is an advantage. Okay, so two questions. First, related to what you just said, because I have this in the show sheet notes. Darren Waller a lot of times is is there for you in the fourth round or or so far he has been. Maybe end of the third is about mm -hmm. as early as I've seen him going. Are you to yeah. a point after studying the Raiders a little bit today to where you would take Darren Waller in the fourth round or are you still waiting on the Komet Ertz in the eighth or ninth? If I can get Komet or Ertz in the eighth, that's not bad. I think they could produce similar. Um, I don't. I like the Raiders offense more than I like those other offenses. Um, right. But you're I, passing on Aaron Jones, 
Debo, Mike Evans, Tyreek. Those are the, yeah. that's the level of player that you're passing for Waller. Whereas in the eighth or ninth, if you are able to get a commit and believe that they can be competitive with Waller for sure and pair commit with one of those elite guys, Nick Chubbs up there. Yeah. I just, I it's, it's so it's hard to pass on Darren Waller after looking at this offense. Yeah. I think, Oh man, if I could get Darren Waller in the fifth, I, I would probably, I tried to wait to see if I can get him in the fifth. Um, the fourth, it's like, if you're, if that's tough because a, even a in the fifth though, in the fifth, you're looking at your guys, which are guys sure. like Deontay Johnson, Michael Pittman, yeah. Travis Etienne. I, I would take, you're would not take, getting one of those guys and Waller is the problem. No, I would take Waller. I would take Waller cause it's a, his target share is going to be big. Uh, and that offense are going to, they're going to be in a lot of high scoring uh, games. I, I like Waller in that offense. So I, I think I would lean Waller there um, okay. in this format where first downs and tight ends are rewarded more more so. You get an extra half point for being a tight end That's and a for point. catching a, for a first down. So, And then uh, you don't have to worry about the position the rest of the draft. For sure. Which for is, sure. That's really nice. Uh, who leads is- the Raiders? My second question was, who leads the Raiders in third down, uh, third down catches? Oh, Devontae Adams. Okay. Because yeah. they're both, they're all three are so good at that. They are. They're real. Oh, are. third down. Like, what's Romo going to do with himself? Ex- I expect a lot of <laughs> extended drives. Which oh, yeah. Honestly, it's why I'm very excited for like guys like Josh Jacobs. He's going to have a ton of red red zone opportunities, a, a ton yeah. of goal line work. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. There's another team down in Miami, though, Travis, that we need to talk about. Um, had a chance to look into these guys. Uh, You're going to have to sell me on every single one of them, Dustin. Some polarizing um, players because there's a lot of people moving off of where these players were last year in almost every case, except for one, and I'll get into it. So let's start with the most important position, and that's the quarterback, because uh, there are some questions that we have to answer here with Tua, and Tua in and of himself is a question mark. Okay, the first question it kind of answers itself is, is he enough to support the weapons that are around him? And to me, it's like the quintessential, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, is, is Tua not good enough or has he just not had weapons? I, I kind of, uh, I kind of lean more towards, he just needed weapons a lot. Like, look, when you're an okay quarterback and I, I just lump Tua in as being an okay quarterback right now. When you're an okay quarterback and you get great weapons, even if he's Jimmy G, he's going to be a serviceable quarterback, and these weapons are yeah. going to produce. Um, you know, you get Tyreek Hill, you get Chase Edmonds, you, you know, even um, committee guys like Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, um, Cedric Wilson, even is is a solid, you know, third fourth option at wide receiver. Um, you talk about the additions of the offensive line. Your this whole team, this whole whole offensive unit is one that I'm I'm really interested in because you you can see this whole cohesive unit coming together and what the vision uh, that Mike McDaniel has coming on you know t- coming to Miami. Um, looking at what Tua has done for for us lately, though. Last year, he had a 50% deep ball completion percentage. And granted, he only completed 20, or he only attempted 28 deep balls. But 
it's encouraging. That's not necessarily probably a sticky stat, but maybe where does that stack up? I'm I'm not asking this spitefully. I I have no idea. Uh, Where Where does does 28 stack up against other quarterbacks going? I think it was, I think it was 30. (laughs) I think it was 30. Was it by Um, a lot though? Like, is he, is it way different than the middle of the pack guys? Um, I think the middle of the pack guys are probably right around 38 to 40. Um, and you're hitting on what 30% of those. So it's not, it's it's not that big of a difference. It probably evens out, but granted he was up there in in completion percentage. I'll, I'll look that up and post that. Um, he was number three in accuracy rating though. You know, a question with that though, could be, is it because he was number 31 in air yards per attempt? So he's not really throwing it down the field much last year. Again, is that because he didn't have the weapons? You know, a, for a lot of the season, you know, Jalen Waddle was out and all he had was Mike Gesicki. Um, So he was also number four in, com- in play action completion percentage. They want to run the ball a lot this year. I, I have a feeling, you know, ju- judging by all the signings they have and the 84 running backs they have on their roster right now, I think Tua is going to be in a position where Mike McDaniel wants to put him in that position to utilize his strengths to you know, catch the defense off guard and throw those crossing patterns to a fast wide receiver like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, Do so, we see a drastic difference in 2022 Tua versus 2021 Jimmy G? A drastic difference? I think. Yeah. I mean, I think Tua is more same talented. coach, same 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 system. They both have good weapons. I think we will see more from Tua. I think, look, I think Tua is just more talented than Jimmy. I think Tua will be more efficient. I don't necessarily know that he is, he has like a stronger arm or can just, you know, bulldoze this offense with his, with his passing prowess. Um, I just mean, do you think that coaching staff and scheme will expect the same role from Tua or do they feel like it's more open now to do more things? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think they want to be able to do more things with the the signings. I mean, like I with, with Debo and and Ayuk and Kittle and Elijah Mitchell. Sure. Having sure. all those weapons, mm-hmm. Jimmy G felt very scripted. Right. Here's what you're doing. You're managing this playbook. Sure. Read one. Read two. Read three. Sometimes. Right. I mean, and a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage. I think we see a lot of that in Miami more than people want to know or want want to think. I think Chase Edmonds, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, all of them will live around the line of scrimmage and then just be expected to break off big plays. Kind of like Debo. Look, there's, there is a world where that is the case and we're going to find out. I think, I think that, Tyreek and Jalen are going to play off of each other very, very well. Tyreek obviously is able to get deep and get open. Tyreek is a talented wide receiver regardless. So is Jalen. And the, it's not like these guys need to get deep to to be valuable. Jalen Waddle is a historic wide receiver, and I mean historically efficient in college um, at beating man coverage. Last year he was number four in win rate. Um, in all of his routes, Tyreek Hill, we don't really need to talk up Tyreek Hill. The main story yeah. with Tyreek Hill is his fall, you know, because he and Jalen Waddle are going to kind of cannibalize each other. You know, Tyreek Hill's ceiling falls. I don't have him as a top five wide receiver. He's more in that 
eight to 10 range for me now. So I think that's going to be kind of his ceiling, you know, seven, eight in this offense. I think Jalen Waddle finishing last year as the PPR wide receiver 15. I think he's probably, that's probably his ceiling this year. I think he could probably absolutely ceiling. I don't think he's inside the top 24. I think he's good enough to finish. And I think, at ceiling, I think both of these guys are, you know, right around. I think they're going to be the average of right around wide receiver fourteen. Um, whereas Tyreek probably. When you on- when you say when you say that though, you're you're saying that you're okay with Waddle against guys like mm-hmm. DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Terry Hollywood, Mike Williams. Like, yeah, I, there's I mean, no way he's in that group to for me, me for, for me. It's Waddle over Terry for sure. Um, really? Yeah, I would take Waddle. I look, I don't I do not believe in Carson Wentz at all. But uh, Tyreek Hill, I think um, we just and, saw Carson Wentz give Michael Pittman a really good season. Yeah, we've seen him give Alshon Jeffrey really good seasons. For sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's not Terry's possible. good, man. Yeah. Terry is good, but you I, were I, on Terry three years ago. You're like, Hey, this kid's going to be yeah. good. I'm like, yeah. Talk Terry to me is, in three years. Terry's, Terry's been very, good. very talented. And he's going to, he's going to produce. He'll be a, a wide receiver two this year, but I think Jalen Waddle his ceiling is a high end wide receiver two um, in this offense. And once I break down, I think, I think, um, Thank you, Ben, for saying that. That makes me so happy. Matt Ryan <laughs> oh Carson Wentz. A, this wow. man's name is Colts fan for life. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, Asking talk, this uh, last year, he would have said, Matt Ryan's washed. Carson Wentz is Super yeah. Bowl champion. I want to, but yeah, just to I finish you, out the, the conversation <laughs> around um, Tyreek and Jalen, they're both going to produce. Um, they both get open. You can't cover both of them, just the entire game with single man coverage. Right. So it's, it is all going to fall on Tua. I lean towards Tua not being awful. I think that he's good enough to support that kind of production um, okay. from both of these guys. Um, talking about the other weapons, though, um, a guy that has been productive in the past and has been a favorite target in this Miami offense overall in Mike Gesicki. Last year was... I look, you might have thought that, hey, this is a great sign for things to come. For me, it kind of signals the possible end to this dream that Mike Gesicki is this top tier tight end. He had 111 targets last year, two touchdowns, and finished as the the tight end 11. Now he has more um, target competition. He's not going to have 111 targets. I have him slated for right around 80 targets this year. And could his There's tight no end. Room. Yeah, could his touchdown total improve? Sure. He only had two last year. And his his career high is six. So if he can get to six, yeah, maybe there's a there's a chance that he can finish as the tight end nine, eight again. So is that in his range of outcomes? Sure. But I no longer can we consider Mike Gasicki as a top, you know, five, six tight end option. Because yeah, yeah, could he have an outlier tight end total or to- touchdown total at tight end? Absolutely. Any one of these guys could. We always throw that out there with tight end. It's kind of baked into the position. But I'm not taking him. I'm not drafting him. I'll use him as a as a you know a streaming option. Someone I can just throw into my lineup when I need a a you know a 
a solid option. You know, if I go late tight end strategy and I take like a guy like Hunter Henry, I, you're going to have to tag team him with a guy like Mike Isik or something like that and play the matchups. But I think Mike And Isik, if you want to load up at other positions and do that, just sure. know that there will be headaches, but there also will be weeks where it works out. Absolutely. You just, this isn't a guy that you plug and play every week is basically the point. Right. Right. Yeah. That's not going to be Mike Kosicki. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of where it, we're it living sucks, right now. Cause I love watching him play. Sure. Yeah. He's and- awesome to watch. I mean, he's, he's, he wants so bad and people want him so bad to be like Kittle. Yeah. Um, He's not there, but it, it's, it, yeah. as far as watchability, he's got, oh, he's it, fun it, to watch. Fun he's very, to watch. Ta- he's, Super athletic, very talented. I enjoy watching him. The next guy that I want to talk about, though, is new to the team. He's someone who hasn't quite lived up to where we want him to be each year. He gets banged up. You know, there's storylines swirling about him not having goal line work. And then teams sign James Conner. Chase Edmonds is a new addition to this Dolphins backfield, but he's not even the newest addition. They have since brought in... Raheem Mostert. They brought in, you know, uh, Sony Michelle. <laughs> he, he, We're back. <laughs> he's not a guy that closes the door on any other running back. I worry about this backfield. Luckily, Chase Edmonds going late enough to where I could take a swing at him as the lead back in the backfield. I just think that he's going to be the way that I think that Mike McDaniel wants to run this offense is that he's going to have areas where he feels that these backs are better used. Tony Michelle on the goal line, uh, Raheem Mostert between the twenties, um, Chase Edmonds, probably a red zone guy, some five zone, 10 zone work, but a lot of that closer area, you're probably going to get a lot of Sony Michelle to pound the rock. Um, you can't forget about other guys that they have on the roster. I don't think Salvan Ahmed makes the roster. I'm iffy on Miles Gaskin, who also has a similar profile to Chase Edmonds. I love the rookie that they signed in Zuquandre White. I think that he's going to fill in on special teams and have a role in the offense as well. It's just it's very very convoluted and crowded. Crowded, I hate, but it's like populated. There are a lot of names yeah. in this backfield, and. If Chase Edmonds is having a rough game, we might see more of Raheem Mostert. We might see more of Sony Michelle. You know, just because it's, Sony uh, Michelle didn't catch a lot of passes. Baltimore backfield. Yeah, it's, it is. It, it reminds you a lot of. Geez, I mean that Dante was Freeman, that, Latavius Murray. Yeah, it's like Tyson oh, Williams, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I think that the ceiling for Chase Edmonds is eking into running back two. I think he's firmly outside of the twenty, the top twenty-four running backs for me, but I feel like if the season breaks his way and he does show that he can take more of the workload and Mike McDaniel likes the way he plays. And if you do want to follow the narrative of follow the money, Chase Edmonds does have um, a path to finishing as a wide receiver, uh, a running back to a low end running back to. Okay. So let me give you three names to wrap up Chase Edmonds. Okay. Because this is where you'll have to take them. Do you like him over these guys who are all very similar in their roles for their team? Okay. Tony Pollard. I would take Pollard over Edmonds. Okay. I would too. Kareem Hunt. I would take Hunt over Edmonds. Yep. Yep. And your guy, James Cook. 
Ooh, um, I would probably take Edmonds over Cook. Um, that's you tough. Been, you've gone back and forth on that a few times I, now. I, I <laughs> yeah, if I have if you, to be like honest, two months ago, you were like keep an eye on Chase Edmonds, and then the draft yeah. happened. You're like, ooh, Cook. <laughs> Yeah, Chase Edmonds is going to be good, I feel like. They have the same, very similar range of outcomes. I think the ceiling for James Cook is higher. Um, so, But the floor for James Cook is lower, I guess, than, than, than Edmonds. I can't even say that because there's a world where Edmonds just gets phased out and uh, they, they go with someone else. So uh, I can see, I can see a... And and the only reason I say this is because we just saw it for a while in San Francisco. Sure. I can see Sonny Michelle and Mostert, if healthy, both right. giving you very Elijah Mitchell type work. Right. And anything outside of that is Hill, Waddle, Gesicki. Right. Where does Edmonds fall in that? Yeah, that's, he will that's, have a role, but I yeah. think that role is just enough to hurt both he and Waddle. In my, he opinion. could have a third down role, and it just is annoying enough. Like you can't quite flex him, you can't quite cut him. He's just eating a roster spot on your bench. Yeah. Um, so, but I, if I you if you punt running back completely in a yeah. in a format like the Scott Fishbowl, which we've seen a lot of really solid rosters through these mock drafts, yeah, of guys that have taken. Justin Jefferson, followed by CD Lamb, followed by Keenan Allen and Mooney, and all like just loading up on receiver. Right. Um, you're going to want to target a guy like Kareem Hunt, followed by Edmonds around later. Yeah. Those are guys that can give you some decent weeks in PPR formats. So, especially like you're saying, on, in third down, in third down situations with a first down bonus, if he's yeah. on the field a lot, he can give you a lot of those sneaky points for sure. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And in keeping in keeping with the the whole topic of the Scott Fishbowl, you know, we we wanna we wanna kind of round this all out with, you know, really let's let's give a clear vision of what the Scott Fishbowl is. Cause a lot of people have probably heard it. A lot of people have have seen it on Twitter or on the internet. Um, even heard people on like ESPN talk about it. It's pretty cool. Um, Travis and I are both gonna be playing in it. It's a year long, or it's yeah, it's, it's a year long, um, season long um, tournament. That you know, this year we there's probably like thirty five thousand people that are going to be playing in this tournament, which is just are wild. you serious? Yeah, thirty five thousand people. I did not know it was that big. Yeah, it's oh huge. my gosh, huge. I mean, they've got celebrities playing in it. You know, top top name analysts like everyone in the fantasy football community feels like. Will they is, have a single a single winner of all those yeah, people? Yeah, they will have a wow. single winner at the end of the year. Um, but the seasonal it's like it's like PPR scoring. Um, you know, regular it's half point PPR. I guess it's like tight end premium. Um, Scott Fish always puts like a different scoring setting each year. So this year, like quarterbacks are scored based upon their their completion percentage so you score uh, more points for for throwing passes over 66.7 percent completion percentage which sounds confusing you only get a half a point for every pass you throw above that rate but you lose a whole point for every pass you're below that 66.7 rate so you won't really like hit the moon 
you know, drafting one of these super efficient quarterbacks, but you will absolutely tank your team if you have a, you know, a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold throw, you know, throw 20 for 42 and, you know, that's no negative nine or 10 points. You essentially break even at quarterback and you cannot have that. You'll tank your, your week. So that's why it's so important to have a quarterback and one of the top tier options um, and why, if you cannot get one of those guys, don't just reach for a quarterback that you hope is good. Wait, but you know, give yourself that Mac Jones buffer of a couple more skill position players before you draft a quarterback of that tier in like Mac that. Jones. Um, so yeah, don't, don't panic about the second quarterback. Yeah. Because that can lead to a lot of tilting. Um, and, sure. and I've, I've seen in a lot of these group chats, uh, in the league chats of these mock drafts, people that have experience playing in this in this scott fishbowl have said if you get an elite quarterback let's say you're a one through four pick one through five by the time it gets back to you in the second those aaron Rodgers, Carr, stafford cousins a lot of times are gone right they might punt that position until the eighth or ninth round altogether and not plan on starting a second quarterback in that flex if you can start um, let's say ETN works out sure, and you want to throw him in that super flex and then play a, a ton of receivers with him as your, as your super flex. If he's giving you 15 a week, sure. Maybe 18 a week it get with the first yeah. downs and stuff. Yeah. Um, that is a solid quarterback. That's better than a bad quarterback by a lot. I also want to bring up another, avenue to points that is unique to the scott fishbowl once you get people forget every year we're going to get into the bi-week bonanza where you're having to reach for guys you're having to pick up guys off waivers there are no trades in the scott fishbowl so you have to be At active all. on the waiver wire you have to be picking these guys up a week or two in advance you know planning ahead a unique another unique part of the Scott Fishbowl though is that you can flex kickers. So you're not just uh, relegated to having to pick up, you know, someone's wide receiver 3 or 4 on a bye week, go pick up a kicker that at least you know, okay, this may be a high scoring matchup. I want this kicker in my flex gives me, you know, a solid 8 or 9 points, maybe even 10 plus points that you wouldn't get from a wide receiver three or four normally it's harder to probably see that production from a wide receiver four than it is for a kicker. So you have more flexibility there and more scoring opportunity. So don't forget that. Well, that's a good point. I, I asked a question to you and another friend of ours, uh, Eric in a group chat, is it worth taking a third good kicker? If you feel like you're really weak um, at a, at a particular position, and just going with kickers average eight to 12 points a week. Yeah. Uh, you can do a lot worse. If you take a good kicker, obviously everybody loves Justin Tucker and, and Butker and those guys, but Nick Folk, for example, came out of nowhere last year. Yeah. Um, and was giving you 15 a week for like four or five weeks in a row. Yeah. That's a huge, that is a really nice, that's a fourth or fifth round pick position players. So yeah. I think the moral is don't panic. Don't right. reach for a second quarterback. 
load up on those running backs and receivers for a while. Um, look for Komet, Ertz, those sure. that type of tight end late, and then get a get a few kickers because if if everybody gets a few kickers, you're not going to be able to just pick one up, especially right. on a bye week, like you were saying. Kickers on bye weeks are going to be big. I think my favorite kicker this year might be the kicker for the the Green Bay Packers. Can I'm just going to say that they're going to be able I to like move. It. They're going to be able to move the ball into field goal range, but to trust those wide receivers to get it down in the red zone might be a tricky proposition. I'm just throwing it out. Yes, there. that's um, a good call. Good call. Good insight there. That's next level. But for me, the the guys that are going to have the biggest bump uh, in the Scott Fishbowl, the first person that came to my mind, Aaron Jones. Speaking of the Packers, we talk about who's going to be the the biggest receiver to benefit from Devonte Adams being gone. It's very well maybe Aaron Jones. We have seen this on, on the internet. It's not a hot take. It's not a new take, but it's one that has to be mentioned because Aaron uh, Jones is one, a good receiver. He'll be on the field when AJ Dillon is also on the field. So as a receiver, as a slot receiver, and you get a point per or a half point per reception and a half point per first down. Aaron Jones is going to be the check down guy. Like that's going to be his role in this offense and he's trusted by Aaron Rodgers, which trust is going to be something that's going to be hard to find on these offensive weapons, at least to start the season. Aaron Jones is going to eat in that offense. And I think he's going to be someone who's going to have that Alvin Kamara type role. And there is a legit possibility that he has a, you know, Kamara type season. You know, we've we can... seen it. We, we've seen Aaron Jones go, go, Top yeah. five, like two of the last three years, I think, or something crazy yeah. like that. He's like had, Aaron Jones, not respected in production, and we know how efficient he is in the red zone. Do not sleep on Aaron Jones. If he is there at the end of the second, please pull the trigger. He is someone you're going to want on your roster. Another guy that I feel is being slept on, and I this is going to sound it's going to taste <laughs> it's going to taste bitter, but your hesitancy, out. I was like, oh god. Daniel Jones is not as bad as you think. Sort All right. of. Okay. Sort of. He completed 66.7% of his passes in six of 11 games last year. It's not incredible. Okay. Um, but he did run for 300 yards in only 11 games last year. Okay. He is currently going at pick 108 in Scott Fishbowl. That's right around what we were just talking about. He, right around Mac Jones. Um, so he's he's right in that that area. I want to see. Let's see. You've got Mac Jones is going at what sixty five. We said, and then we've got Daniel I Jones. Think Jones is going quite a bit later. Yeah, Daniel Jones is going forty picks later at quarterback yeah. twenty four. So value to be had there. If you need a quarterback three to fill in your roster, Daniel Jones, I think, should be your guy because of the rushing upside, because there's no way, no way, I do not buy it, that that offense will be as putrid as it has been the last two years. It is very difficult to repeat year yeah. and year and year as the dead worst offense in the league. They scored 19 touchdowns last year, Travis. 19. That's Here's what scares me about Daniel Jones. If the okay. Giants suck... Mm -hmm. really bad given that the loaded 23 class of quarterbacks mm -hmm. i would not put it past them to say that's it we've seen enough 
you know, Tyrod go play. Do you think Daniel Jones plays 17 games if healthy, no matter what? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think that he'll play okay. the whole season. Because if they're terrible, then you like you don't need to bring Tyrod Taylor and you know what you have in Tyrod. Like That's true. If you're not trying to win and Daniel Jones yeah. is not winning, then you might as well leave him. Just keep Daniel Jones and hopefully he shows something that you can trade. You know, so yeah. that's that's really what you're two good in. calls. Two good calls. I, I Aaron Jones is man. Where is he going? Where are you going to have to draft Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones? Compared to a Dalvin Cook, Javante Williams, Saquon Aaron Barkley. Jones Do you like him over at, those guys? He, Aaron Jones is going at pick 39. He's the running back 12. Dalvin Cook, wow. is, going, Dalvin Cook is going at 24. He's the running back 6. So you're yeah. saying potentially. Well, you're going to go, if you can, you're going to go quarterback in the second. Sure. Aaron Jones in the third. In the early third, yeah. Okay. I like it. Dalvin yeah. Cooks hasn't hasn't really been there in the third too too often. No. Um, no the, but if, the if they're both there in the third, are you taking Dalvin? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd probably go Dalvin. Not I by mean, much. Not yeah, not by much. Uh, I kind of hope that he doesn't make it and I just get to grab Aaron Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, please don't make me choose. Uh, I like it. Yeah. So Scott Fishbowl, man, okay, uh, make sure y'all are paying attention to our Twitter next week. The Scott Fishbowl drafts start on July 11th. Some of the live drafts have already started. Make sure you're you're looking out for those um, Scott Fishbowl draft trackers. There are these really cool things you'll see on the internet on the on on Twitter. People posting the live results of each draft. It's really cool. Track how Travis and I are doing. He'll be in the Dallas uh, division. I'll be in the Austin division. We got some really cool analysts and fans that we're playing against. And it's going to be yep. really fun to talk about in and uh, you know day in day out, you know each episode. And we'll continue. And, uh, we'll continue to do mocks. Um, for sure. I would like to do starting tomorrow morning. I would. I would like to do a morning mock and an afternoon mock. Seeing Perfect. As how we have four days left. So let's. The more yeah. you practice, the more situations you're prepared for. The less yeah. tilting you do if something doesn't go your way on draft day. Yeah, make sure. Yeah, join in with us. We'll go. We'll be sending up the invites. Look for you guys in the chat in the mock draft room. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for commenting, joining in. We appreciate the time with you guys. And make sure to catch us next week on our next episode as we talk about how our drafts are going in the Scott Fishbowl. As always, the message persists. Losing sucks. Don't do it. Don't do it.